Hello and welcome to the A&A Take with me, Alex. And with me, Adam. This week on the podcast, we will, as always, discuss some of the hot topics in the week, see whose culinary skills score the most in this week's Come Dine Challenge, and see what the next topic is on Alex's Choice. And just before we start, we are all abiding by social distancing. So once again, let's get to it. So this week's show is all around the subject of sport, with conversations now firmly taking place for virtually all elite-level sports in the country to resume with some dates having already been confirmed now as well. Indeed, but first, here's our rundown of the week that's just passed. Dominic Cummings. No, I'm only really joking. We're really <laughs> not going to be talking about him anymore. The media's covered him way too much, and it's time to move on. Um, yes. So instead, we've decided we're going to do something slightly different this week and start the show with a small personal highlight of the week, something that's really uh, been bringing up this week past time of coronavirus is about mental health and we we think just focusing on something positive that we've done in this week is a real you know small step into tackling that exactly yeah i mean there's certainly a big onus around mental health at the moment particularly in uh, in young people so from now on hopefully throughout all our shows from now we're going to start a little personal anecdote from the last week hopefully as a way of coping through this together so my personal highlight actually happened to me yesterday i've titled this manual labor um now i'm not really a big manual labor person anybody knows me says oh he doesn't really do anything he's a very good uh delegator and stands (laughs) and stands and watches um so yesterday i actually helped my parents butcher down half a hedge because we're having our driveway done in a couple of weeks um so i was actually stood in a bin i was chopping branches (laughs) and it was it was quite a, a big step for me something i'm quite proud of I mean, I've known you now for six, seven years, and I would yep. say that the most manual labour I've seen you done is probably like sharpen a pencil or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, it's never really been my forte. <laughs> so my personal highlight of the week happened um, just uh, last weekend, actually, around around a week ago or so. Uh, and because I'm thankfully in a position where I can stay at home and I've got no reason to leave the house, I've done exactly that. I have not left my house since the 30th of March, actually, was the last time that I left my house. Uh, and last weekend, uh, my mum and dad had to go up to my granddad's in Newcastle. It was all um, amongst the rules, I should say, before anybody had, had, had any questions. It was um, for his, for his uh, assistance, shall we say. Well, that meant that they weren't here on bin night. That meant <laughs> that on Monday night, I got to walk all the way down to the bottom of the drive, take the bins out. And on Tuesday morning, I got, I got up thinking, oh, I can have a walk this morning back down here in the drive to get the bins back again so that's a highlight of my <laughs> week it's the first i've been literally in two months that is that is fantastic and also in the six or seven years that i've known Adam, that's probably one of the most amount of exercise that i've seen Adam <laughs> do so uh <laughs> i think we're, that. We're, we're both on uh, some winning grounds here this week <laughs> oh nice one <laughs> so now as our conversation uh moves into sport we're going to draw on some personal insights uh there's no football so Adam hasn't really got a job as a sports journalist. <laughs> That's anymore. right, yeah. I haven't, so haven't got any jobs at the minute. He's yeah. crying in the corner. And <laughs> there's no basketball. So I also have one less job in my very hectic life, which in a way I'm not complaining about too much, but it is a slightly <laughs> uh, difficult and weird time that we're, yeah. all, we're all facing in. So I suppose really, Adam, the, the first question we have is how much do you think we need but want sport to, re- to return? Yeah, I mean, it's a, that's, a, that's a really big question at the minute. I mean, p- personally, 
the, the need for sports return is huge because that's, that's where my employment's come from for the last 12 <laughs> months or so. Uh, I've worked for different football clubs. I've worked for sport organisations and, and stuff like that. And that's just obviously completely not possible anymore. So personally, I want it to return very much. But the thing is, I think sport needs to return as well because sport is, is a livelihood and is, and is even more than that for millions, literally millions of people in, in this country. And when it's not there, there's so many people who are struggling. We've just mentioned you know, the, the, the onus that's on mental health at the minute. Sport helps that so, so much. And when it's not there, you just see so many people who think, well, well now what do I do? And so I think the need for sport to be in people's lives has never actually been more important than it is now. So I think it's, it's very interesting because something that I, I was thinking when we, when we discussed about this being a topic was actually, is it that there is a need for sport to return or is it that there's a need for sport to be on TV? Because actually, you know, in, in this lockdown moment, we, we could argue that people have had the, the chance to take up some form of sport slash exercise, whether that's uh, running, you know, as the lockdown's moved on a little bit, people can start going, I think it's fishing again, uh, golf, golf <laughs> yes. is picking back up again, yeah. which is quite a popular, popular piece. But do you think it's more that sport needs to be more accessible for people to see again? that will help with, with that? Or do you think it's more participation? Because I would potentially argue that people have had a chance to participate in a, in a safe way. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point, really. Um, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, the ones that you mentioned, um, angling or, or fishing and, and golf, uh, yes, yes, they're competitive sports or competitive recreational activities, perhaps. Um, but they're not, uh, they're not really popular, I wouldn't say. And they're also not um, really competitive in a way. And they don't involve lots of people competing, is what I mean. Whereas you've got, you know, your more traditional sports, dare I say, the likes of football, rugby, cricket. And they're, and they're just, they haven't, they haven't um, existed in the past two yeah. months, really. And now football is one of the first sports that's been given a date is when we'll end up being one of the first sports to return. And, um, and that's... You can argue if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think we'll probably touch on that soon enough. Um, but yes, people have had a chance to go out and with their own with their own households and you know and, and kick a ball around a park. But it isn't it isn't at all the same. I don't think. So perhaps it's more about being involved in in the elite sport and, and actually being able to watch watch that that piece. Yeah, I mean there has been the 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 odd sports televised not often in, from this country i mean i know that, that the sport of darts created a new tournament which deliberately would last a long long time i think it started virtually the first weekend of lockdown and i think they're still going now um which was done via via video link it's quite funny because one of the players in it uh, couldn't participate because his wi-fi was too slow <laughs> which, is, which is not something that you thought would be an issue in the sport of darts even three or four months ago so things have have been done obviously we've seen the bundesliga germans top flight of, uh, well germans football leagues return so we're gradually getting there but um I mean, I think it was the culture secretary, Oliver Dowden, who said on Saturday's press conference, he listed, he, he, he listed loads of sports that are, that are now OK to, re, to resume into training and resume into taking place again. And, and I mean, he listed loads. There was football, cricket, tennis, F1, um, rugby, he mentioned, and there's probably more than that. And, and that really, for me, cannot come soon enough. 
I think it's a really interesting thing and um, I'm very torn on this topic as I mentioned to you that yeah. you know I would like sport to return do I feel it needs to return I don't know because I, when I think about when I've been to sports and events and I've been fortunate enough to, to see some great basketball in, you know, the O2 in London um, and I've done some corporate things at sports stuff. And it made me think a little bit from, from those experiences. Is it that people 100% want the sport to be back or is it that actually people want to be able to go to a, a venue where there's a social aspect because I take, you know, look at darts. Yeah. I've never been to, I really do want to go to a darts match. Yes, yeah, not, yeah. not really because of the darts, but because yeah. I've heard that the atmosphere and the booze and all of the, um, <laughs> the, the surrounding parts of that event yeah. is fantastic. And, you know, I, I look at formula one, there is, unbelievable corporate events and you sit there and you won't maybe see the cars go past one corner every lap but <laughs> yeah. there's a massive social gathering so yeah. when when i was thinking about this i was actually thinking is it that people are wanting the, the sport and maybe the question is to you is it that you want to watch the sport again or is it that you want to be able to have a, a topic that you can talk to friends about or you can go to a, a, a game to actually have that engagement again is that actually the the bigger question yeah that is that is a really interesting question and i think that's what a lot of people are thinking i mean i mean there's some people and they're well in well in their right mind to say this people saying i can't believe that that sports being considered to return before reopening you know religious um hosting venues and stuff like that and i can completely understand that but for me sport it isn't a case for me of want I do want sport to return. For me, sport needs to return at an elite level. And the reason for that is probably not something I agree with, but it's because of money. That is the only reason. <laughs> it's because of money. And yeah. I mean, I mentioned right, right at the top of the show that sport is, is, is so many people's livelihoods. It's, it's what so many people look forward to the most in their life. And if, 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 if elite level sport doesn't return, these people livelihoods are not just gone for now in the interim they're going to be completely gone because there's going to be some sports that wouldn't be able to return because yeah. they would be wiped out almost and i mean for me i, I have to talk about football it, that's a sport that i know the most about it's a sport that i've been involved with for so long i've attended i dare say probably around 400 live football matches in my life and i probably watched five times that on the tv it's a sport that i want to go into professionally not to play obviously but to be a part of get your shoes on Adam. I mean, <laughs> but but this is just something that i gathered so so the premier league's return is what is being labeled as project restart and it's understood that if the season progresses as planned if the season still carries on football clubs owe 340 million pounds to tv companies still because they haven't got what they signed up to and if the season was not on completely and that figure is only going to increase, and that's and that is such a huge amount of money. A lot the of Premier money. League broadcasting rights are worth billions of pounds internationally, yeah. and that in itself I don't agree with. But that's what it is. You've got to get on with it, and it's and 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 its viewership is so vast that it genuinely brings in that return. Problem is though that that money is then filtered through all the Premier League teams, and it's filtered down the divisions, down the whole football pyramid, down to the bottom, which is 
you know, Sunday league teams almost that get 50 fans turn up. But for them 50 fans, that is their life. And if this money doesn't filter through, which if it needs to be returned and it's already been spent, then people are going to lose their livelihoods because lots of clubs will be lost. And the quicker it, we start, the less we lose. It feels like one of those um, things, you know, when, you, when the COVID thing all kicked off, a bit of a, a moral slash business uh, decision at the moment because it's almost like what well, the government's going through at the moment yeah. around saving lives and the economy. The, the, within sport, like, I fully agree, there's a lot of money. Um, I talk from, you know, basketball in the NBA, in the US, there are huge sponsorship deals. Um, yeah. I know from my, the company I work for that we sponsor all different kinds of events and you want the return, the Olympics, you don't forget that that's been moved. Um, yeah, of course. If that, if that doesn't go next year, uh, that's going to cancel. And I think of it this way, the Japanese economy, think how much money has been put in uh, yeah. to actually yeah. get, get those goes up and running. And I, I feel like a lot of clubs and bo- boards of sports, um, areas are having a very difficult decision around do they hurry sports back into um being played because of the money side because it needs to be there for for the economy and for the future of the sport but Mm -hmm. does that in your opinion you think that do you think that jeopardizes public health and safety when it was only recently reported (laughs) that the r number was still between 0.7 0.7 and 1 so we're still in a high area and I actually saw a news report uh, this morning that said uh, there was one player in eight Champions uh, League football clubs that had all tested positive for yeah. COVID and we know that there's a period of time where the symptoms are dormant and you could you could have it and not know about it yeah. is this a big risk yes is a short answer to that question. <laughs> yes but the thing is, I think I think a lot of people are a lot of people at the top are making this decision and kind of with just with their fingers crossed, just saying, "Well, we'll 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 get tests out to loads of uh, to everybody." I think each club in the Premier League has sixty tests per club. And I think we're now on the fourth round of testing. On the fourth round of testing, there was no positive cases, but in the first three there was, and so you have to be really careful. I think people are again at the top making these decisions. Are thinking, well, hopefully. Hopefully, if we increase the testing, they'll manage, they will manage to get the games on. But all these decisions are being made. And, you know, the government could say, when the Premier League is due to return on June the 17th, they could say, oh, actually, our five tests haven't been made. You can't return anymore. And, you know, the detriment that's going to have is, is mental. I mean, yesterday I was watching um, a Bundesliga game. Uh, so, sorry, a Bundesliga 2. I, don't, I, I can't remember what the German word for 2 is. So, Bundesliga 2 game. It's by. It's by. Uh, I did German. It's by. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the German second flight of, um, of football. They've been back now for three or four weeks. And um, Armenia Bielefeld is the name of the team who are top of the division. And they scored a stoppage time winner away at, at Holsten Kiel to, to go even further and, um, and almost guarantee, or not far from guarantee, promotion to the top flight of German football. And, it's, and it's a, that, that's a huge goal. It's a late goal. It's a massive goal. And all the players running around, jumped on each other, pile on sort of things. Backroom staff who are wearing masks even jumped in and got involved. And that kind of makes a mockery of the whole situation. I agree. I, I think that, that's it, my biggest concern is that how do you uh, police this effectively that, you know, you bring likes of football. You, you, one was if somebody has it and they're going for a slide tackle. 
you're not exactly. keeping two meters distance, are you? You're <laughs> going to be on top of the person if they go if they fall on you, aren't you? It's a, it's a very yeah. cozy environment. Yeah. Um, you bring back things like rugby, all of that, cricket. Somebody coughs, it's on the ball, yeah. and they touch and the, ball, the ball, and they catch the ball. It goes in your mouth. You know, yeah. it, it can it can go all that. I think about basketball. It's a non-contact sport. That's that's not really true. Um, yeah. And you you sweat, the cough all of heavy breathing it's all around there and why i also think is interesting is there's a lot of negativity from the media when they're not talking about dominic cummings but when they do ask yeah. a slightly uh, normal question they they, yeah. they always criticize the government about testing and mm-hmm. part of me is is concerned that it seems that the wealthy will be able to survive from this because they can afford to test you know in yep. the elite sport but actually, are they a priority of testing? Should we be focusing on the people who are needing testing rather than bringing back some sport because, you know, they can pay for it? Yeah. I mean, more you talk, doesn't it? That's the thing. The thing for me is that, I mean, other sports have announced when they prepare or propose to return. Cricket is, is the start of August. Rugby has been penciled in, in for the end of August. Yet football, or at least the Premier League, is June the 17th. It's a month and a half earlier than any other elite level contact sport, rushed. if you like. It does feel rushed. And, I can, and as I said, I can completely understand it. This is how this is my kind of sum up on this because I mean, I, have, I feel so strong about this. I could run about this for ages. But <laughs> I mean, um, so the Premier League is obviously the top division of English football. Then there's the EFL, which are the next three divisions the Championship, League One, and League Two. And then below that is all classes non league, but the top three divisions in that one, well, sorry, the, the top two, sorry, the top one is a national national league what it's called the national league but that's national and then the two and then the one below that is split regionally into north and south now what's happened is the premier league have voted unanimously to return and this week to return now into contact training as well wow uh, the efl haven't haven't decided what they're going to do yet but they want promotion to still go ahead because of how much money is in it for that team oh the no in it, if they go up to the premier league that is worth hundreds of millions of pounds to them literally this is where i think clubs have to be all unanimous because you can't have it both ways in my opinion you can't say you don't want to play or that that's the thing but i think that's a bit another problem is that some teams are saying yes some teams are saying no no there's not a joint approach because the efl the top division of that the championship want promotion because how much money is in it for that team that goes up they voted for promotion to still stand However, League Two, the bottom tiers, and now the fourth tier of English football, the last uh, division of the EFL, are we're, we're hearing r- heavy rumours that they're going to vote against relegation to the National League. So EFL are for promotion and against relegation. And that doesn't have just, just have a detriment on them. But that means that the National League, below that, only one team will get promoted rather than the original two because no one's going down. Yeah. And that makes a whole mockery of the system and just prove just how much money, money is the only talking point, really, that these executives on these, on these sort of boards have. Yeah, it's not I, fair. I agree with that. And I, I'm also concerned if, the, if uh, sports do start coming back, the, the, you know, football, basketball, cricket, any, any, any sport that, that has a, a fan base that isn't huge, and there isn't huge TV deals, and there isn't huge money, if they're yeah. told that they should be returning and, and playing... Are they going to fill an arena? Are they going to start filling that? You know, they're not, they can't pay their, their players what they, exactly. you know, the, the big leagues can play. That brings in another yeah. issue. It's people's livelihoods. Should, 
should that be happening? How do they keep, um, you know, financially stable when you can't afford to run it, but they're being told that we should be, be doing that. And if that's a unanimous decision that I look at, you know, basketball in this country, it's the second highest participation sport, but it's probably tiny financed. Yeah. And actually, if, if the unanimous decision is that they should start coming back, but three clubs can't afford that, you're going to lose a lot of participation, yes. um, which we shouldn't, we shouldn't be happening, in, in my opinion. And this is where I, I'm not sure the timing of this is appropriate. And I think, you know, £340, they've spent it before they've had it, really. Yeah, in, exactly in that. In case. And they've taken a full business approach, expecting normality when it isn't always the case. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel so strongly about this. I could talk about this forever and I spoke about it for a long time. So for that reason, I think we'll hand over to you, Alex, for Alex's choice. Thank you very much. Um, it was a very interesting discussion and, you know, I think we could discuss it and we'd be very, very torn on different parts all the time. Um, but yes, Alex's choice. So as I always do, I try and bring something completely slightly <laughs> random to the table. Yes. And I thought of this actually this morning. Um, and as you know, I enjoy dining out. And yes. something that I really wanted to discuss, are you ready, is uh, service charge. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yes, service charge. Now, I have experienced all kinds of level of service charge in my <laughs> eating out experiences from no service charge, leave a tip if you think that it's worth it, 10% yeah. service charge, 12.5% service charge, 8% service charge, 15% service charge. In okay. the US, I've seen up to 20% of the bill. Yeah. No. <laughs> so I just thought it was interesting. Obviously, with the hospitality industry not around, I think it's a very contentious topic around should service charge always be put on the bill because whenever you're out in London there is always 12 and a half percent on your bill I've even had it for drinks I've been for a drink and I've had a really? service charge I'm not being funny the waiter is bringing me a drink yeah I don't think you should have to pay that so do you think mm. that service charge should always be on the bill or do you think we should have more of a choice about paying this because I actually think a lot of restaurants do this because they know that the British behavior is <laughs> never going to be to take it off because we have to then say mm. we don't want to pay it. Um, yeah. What do you think? That's, yeah, that's really interesting because I, if, if, I, if I got a bill and it had service charge already on it, I would be very annoyed, but I would not ask for it to be taken off. Exactly. I think a lot of people would share that opinion. Um, for me, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be on there automatically. I don't think that that's right because, you know, especially if you're in London. I mean, I, personally, I've never dined in London and that's probably for a reason that I'm <laughs> spending far too much money on it. But if you're, if, if you're dining out in London and you're paying a lot of money, regardless of whether you put a service charge on it, on it or not. So, I mean, if I enjoy where, where I've been, if the food was good, if the service was nice, I will leave a tip. And that's how I think it should be across the board. But... I guess if you take service charge off, then there'll be a lot of people who just will not tip at all. So, I mean, I can see both sides. But it's an me, interesting point, though, because what, what they, when, when you're in a restaurant, they, they put it on the bill and it's called optional service mm. charge. And it seems to always be put on the bill and nobody's ever asked you <laughs> whether or not you want to pay the service charge or not. And something that also bugs me about this is I really do appreciate how hard I've experienced some fantastic service, um, some mm. fantastic foods but you are never told where that money goes. 
you don't know yeah. if that's split equally between all of the people um, or if it goes just to the waiters or the kitchen staff. And I like to know where the money goes because I want, yeah. to, tip, I want to tip my waiter. I don't want to tip, you know, John yeah. around the corner who served yeah. table 15 because he's mm-hmm. not served me. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I've done this before where I've said, no, I'm not paying the service charge. And I've yeah. actually gone and, I've, I've, I've gone and tipped tip the person I want to tip. Ah, um, okay. But even with that, there was a massive bit of guilt in me yeah. that I'd taken yeah. it off. And yeah. I just feel like it's a really interesting thing of why do British people and a wider <laughs> thing feel guilty for taking off yeah. an optional service charge they're not required to pay? <laughs> just, just, just have interest, whether, whether through service charge or not. What's the most that you've ever tipped, Alex? Oh, um, through service charge. Well, either, well, either through service charge or, or, or not through service charge. It would probably, it's got to be around 40, 50 quid because Ooh. of service charge. Ooh. Yeah. Now, I mean, maybe that's in London. Stumbly. That's in London. I mean, I would, I would definitely be taking that off. Then again, to be fair, London, that, that is only one drink, isn't it? So, again, <laughs> yes, in some places it can be quite an expensive, expensive <laughs> time. But it's, it's, I think it's really interesting because some people, like my, my girlfriend, um, yeah. we had a dinner out once and she really got r- raged up, really yeah. raged up, wasn't happy. They, they served yeah. us a knife and fork for our pudding. You don't have a <laughs> knife and fork as cutlery for a pudding. And she just said, no, I'm not paying it. And then the staff, their face, Mm -hmm. when we said we're not paying it, they expect you to pay the service charge. So I think there's a really bad culture that's coming in um, and something that I don't think we should have. We should have around in in the future. I I think I agree. Well, that was my little Alex's choice. And I Uh think, you know, it's a very interesting topic and something where we could all save a lot of money, especially after this situation. We've got to yes. be a bit more frugal. And I just think maybe we should all be a little bit more bold and confident and say, we don't want to pay yeah. for the service charge for bad service. Mm-hmm. Take it off. But, but I think that if we're going to a place that we used to go to a lot before lockdown, I know that I'll be wanted that I'll be pleased at the back that they managed yes. to get through it. And I 100%. will definitely be doing my, pulling my weight there. hundred percent. And now I believe we are passing over to Adam for his next topic on the final five. Well, we are, but first of all, I think we should discuss the success or lack of of last week's <laughs> final five challenge. Alex, you set us the come dine challenge. I did come dine with Adam, come dine with Alex. Um, I think I think that you should go first because I did mine a little bit differently. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I'll let you go first. So we had a little bit of a challenge in our household where we all decided to cook uh, a meal. Uh, dad did a spag bowl, uh, mum did a fish and chips, and then I did a, a pan-fried salmon fillet on sautéed potatoes, asparagus, and a pea puree. Um, <laughs> so it was fantastic. So um, that was our challenge. Throughout the week, we, we marked on uh, presentation, taste, yeah. uh, also cost, because some of it, is more expensive mm. than others, mm. um, and also how full we felt afterwards. Yes. Um, Mum came in at third place uh, yeah. in with her fish and chips. Dad came in at second place with his spag bowl, and I won with my pan-fried uh, salmon fillet. And I think I've now been able to claim the title 
as <laughs> ultimate chef in in my household. So it was a it was a successful win, um, but it was a great great challenge to do. Good. Well, as I said, I did mine a little bit differently. Rather than all three of us doing it, um, what I did was I tried to do a, a, a full meal. It was going to be three courses, but it ended up just being two courses for less than a thousand calories. Oh, wow. Because that's obviously, I mean, people in lockdown, not being able to, I mean, you can't go anywhere, but often choosing not to go anywhere. No, it's so easy to end up putting waste on because all you're doing is you're sitting in your house, you're eating as normal, but you're not going snacks, out anywhere. Snacks, snacking, snacking. <laughs> and that exactly. So I thought I'll try and make something a little bit different. So it had to, it had to just be two courses. It's going to be three, but it went over the top of the, the over the top of the thousand calorie barrier. So, so the main course we did a main course and a and a dessert. The main course was a was a chicken curry, a Chinese style chicken curry. Ooh, sounds nice. Um, so I added up I added up the calories. Um. We we did. I must admit, we ended up doing too much rice, and that and who who knew that rice was so had I so many calories really, in it. I also find it very difficult to judge the amount of rice or pasta you ever need. It's like you either have none, oh, yes, or you're <laughs> swimming in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I actually asked asked my, asked my dad to to measure it because normally he'll just bung it in, and he says, "Oh, well, rather than doing it in grams, I measure it in ladles." It's like right, okay, <laughs> ladles, <laughs> ladles. So normally we have sort of four ladles between three of us. I wasn't aware uh, that was a unified measure. No, neither was I. Neither was I. But um, so, so, so if we, in the end, if we were to just around about half the rice intake, then rice, a little splash of olive oil, uh, chicken, a jar of Chinese style curry sauce is only 125 calories per person is not bad at all no um yeah really uh peas onions and then also we got a big share bag of prawn crackers and thirded it and that was only 125 calories each in the prawn crackers wow so that's not bad is it so that came to 850 calories overall so you're thinking oh 150 calories for pudding not not possible well here we go you can all try this at home this is a chocolate microwave mug cake oh and doesn't sound particularly appetizing but now, before we start, it has a cake in it. It doesn't taste as nice as a real cake, but it has so few calories in it that it, I think it's worth it. This has 150 calories in it. Um, so you have some hot chocolate powder. Yep. Put three teaspoons of that in. Um, a little bit of um, flour, just a, a teaspoon of self-raising flour, an egg, um, some, well, the recipe says one level teaspoon of granulated sweetener. But I chose sugar because that's actually better for you if you're dieting. It's a little tip for everybody. Out I thought you were going to say you, you know, dieting tips. I thought you were going to say you did use a ladle instead. Bring it, bring <laughs> out the ladle. <laughs> but sweetener isn't actually that good for you if you're dieting because it gets stored in your body's fats because it's artificial and your body doesn't recognise it. Uh-huh. So you're actually better off having sugar. So all those people who have sweetener in, in their coffee and their tea because they think it's better for you, it's actually if you're dieting, it's probably better to have sugar but just a bit less of it. Wow. We have for sugar on the sweetener. And here's a little um, alternative. Two tablespoons of quark. Now, quark is not something I always familiar what it is. It's, What's it's, quark? It's sort of, it's a bit like uh, creme fraiche, but it's when the milk's turned a bit sour. It doesn't Ooh. sound particularly nice. But you pour that all into a mug, mix it together into a paste, and put it into the microwave for a minute and a half, and it genuinely feels and tastes like a chocolate cake. So you have that with a little bit of fruit, a little bit of perhaps uh, squirty cream rather yeah. than um, rather than whole cream. Yeah, 150 calories in that. Not bad wow. at all, is it? I would have to give that a go. I've never heard of that recipe. Um, no, I would. I would I. definitely. Did, you would rate that. Um, right. 
as I said, it's not as good as a normal chocolate cake. But a normal chocolate cake in a slice has probably got or 500 calories in it probably this you can make it it ends up being the size of whatever mug you make it in 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 it's less than 150 calories that's impressive i've got to say Adam, I, at all. I, I do think you know if you don't go into football commentary you've got yourself a career <laughs> in uh in recipe and, <laughs> and the thing is commentary because oh. it i didn't realize you were such a such a good you'd, you'd be a celebrity chef before you know it and far from it, far, <laughs> far, far from it. Okay, so this week's challenge is being set by me. And I'm not really sure where, where, where this idea came from, but it came to me late last night. This is your challenge, Alex, and I'll do it as well. Everybody listening, if you can just, just, just have a look for your own entertainment. Okay. What I want you to do is find an old school report, and let's see if the teachers were right, and if we learned anything from our school-age mistakes. Oh, wow. That's so a be. It can be a whole, a whole like end of year report. It can be an individual subject report at the end of a, at the end of a certain task that you're meant to do. Whatever you can find, because I know that I've still got loads I've still got and some loads of my, yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm sure you do as well. So that is next week's challenge. How's that sound? Fantastic! I can't wait to do that. I, I, it's going to reminisce on some memories and some teachers that I wasn't a massive fan of. Um, potentially. Well, let's see if they're right or wrong. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward right. to it. Well, that is us done for this week on the ANA Take. And if you're listening on this podcast on iTunes or Spotify, be sure to give us a follow so you can be alerted when the next episode goes live. But in the meantime, hopefully you can join us next week. Stay safe and we will see you then.